What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Burger Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Stocks are under pressure again after yesterday's wild comeback on Wall Street. Fed policy in focus as the central bank begins its two-day meeting. Microsoft kicks off tech earnings on the heels of solid results from IBM. And the U.S. puts thousands of troops on alert in Eastern Europe. New York Mayor Adams is reviving the controversial anti-crime unit amid gun violence. Plus, former New York Assembly Speaker Sheldon Silver has died. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. The Knicks lost by two. The Rangers won in a shootout. St. John's beat Seton Hall, and it's the quarterfinals of the Australian Open. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. future is pointing to more volatility this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down about 28 points. Dow futures down 75. NASDAQ futures down 148. The DAX in Germany is up 1%. Nikkei 225 in Japan fell 1.7%. Ten-year Treasury down 630 seconds, yield 1.79%. The yield in the two-year, 1.02%. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.4%. Up a dollar fifteen at eighty four dollars forty seven cents a barrel. Comex gold down two tenths percent or four dollars ten cents at eighteen forty ten an ounce. And the euro one point one two eight seven against the dollar. Nathan. Well, Karen, we are seeing more pressure on U.S. stocks this morning after yesterday's wild turnaround on Wall Street. Let's get the very latest live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. Good morning, John. And Nathan, global equities wiped out almost three trillion dollars yesterday. That's before a dramatic reversal saw U.S. benchmarks actually end in the green. Jeremy Siegel at the Wharton School says these moves shouldn't come as a surprise. You know, when the market has gone up as much as it has since uh, March of 2000, this is still not a big dip. But I don't think the pain is over yet. Jeremy Siegel sees the Nasdaq falling 20% from its November high. Volatility is the name of the game. The VIX up for a sixth session today. It briefly jumped to the highest level since October 2020 before receding. Now, the question facing investors now is whether any slide is a buying opportunity or pretends wider stress across more asset classes. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. Well, U.S. futures aren't the only thing falling today. Stocks in Asia saw some heavy selling overnight. And we get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Karen. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index fell the most since December to reach its lowest level since November 2020. Japan's Topics Index closed down 1.7% to enter correction territory. South Korea's KOSPI is nearing a bear market. It dropped more than 2.5% in Seoul. Australian stocks fell to May lows and bond yields surged after stronger-than-expected inflation data boosted bets on rate increases. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. 
All right, Juliet, thanks. Now, the recent sell-off, along with last week's slump, is being pinned on concerns over tighter monetary policy, and we get more clues on that this week as the Fed kicks off its two-day policy meeting. Bridgewater Associates founder Ray Dalio says the central bank is still too slow. The Federal Reserve has been behind the curve, slower to tighten monetary policy. And as a result, we're now starting to see the rise in interest rates to be able to deal with that. As that happens, all assets compete with each other. That means all the other assets have to adjust. We're in a process of making that kind of adjustment. Bridgewater Associates founder Ray Dalio made the comments in an interview with David Rubenstein on peer-to-peer conversations. Catch the show coming up next week on Bloomberg Television. Well, outside of the Fed, Nathan, traders are watching for tech earnings this week. And today we get results from Microsoft. Here with more is Bloomberg's Tom Busby. The big focus for investors, the software giant's Azure cloud computing unit and web-based versions of its office software. Also of note, holiday sales of its Xbox gaming console and video games. Just last week, Microsoft announced its biggest acquisition ever, a nearly $69 billion deal to acquire Activision Blizzard. Bloomberg forecasting revenue topping $50 billion for the first time ever and adjusted earnings of $2.32 a share for the second quarter. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Tom, thank you. Now, results are already out from IBM. The company reported revenue that beat estimates that has shares up nearly 3% in the pre-market. Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet has more. IBM got a boost from strong demand in its software unit, which includes IBM's hybrid cloud offering. IBM's software unit, the biggest business group, grew 8.2%. The consulting unit, formerly known as Global Business Services, reported a 13% increase compared with the year prior. The results were the first since IBM completed the spinoff of a large portion of its legacy infrastructure services unit in November into a new company. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Charlie, thank you. Well, Bitcoin also in focus after yesterday's wild swings. And we get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Yesterday, headlines were all about the crypto crash, but Bitcoin snapped a five-day slide. And this morning, the world's largest crypto is trading lower once again. Analysts from Bloomberg's Markets Live blog say don't read too much into today's modest decline, though. While Bitcoin appears to be trading in correlation with stocks, analysts note that turns in the digital asset came before those in stocks, both on the way down and back up. Right now, Bitcoin is trading around 36000 Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Renita, thank you. Let's make a hard turn now to geopolitics, where Russia and Ukraine remain front and center. The U.S. is putting 8,500 troops on heightened alert as tensions swirl over a possible Russian invasion of Ukraine. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the very latest. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby says on both sides of the Atlantic. The United States has taken steps to heighten the readiness of its forces at home and abroad so that they are prepared to respond to a range of contingencies. And White House spokesman Jen Psaki says it could come at any time. We've never uh, ruled out the option of providing additional assistance in advance of an invasion. President met with European leaders and says they discussed severe sanctions as well as securing the eastern flank of NATO. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Ed. S&P futures now down 32 points. Dow futures down 95. NASDAQ futures leading the declines this morning. They're down 160 points. That's a drop of 1.1%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
And it's now 5.07 on Wall Street. Cloudy and 37 degrees in Central Park at a tractor-trailer fire on the southbound New Jersey Turnpike as the truck lanes close near exit 13A. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York City Mayor Eric Adams vows to take immediate action to end gun violence. During his first few weeks in office, there have been a string of tragic and high-profile crimes. We need help. We need resources. We need backup. Adams called for the state to enact more restrictive bail provisions and announced plans to revive a controversial anti-crime unit. They were the plainclothes units disbanded under former Mayor de Blasio after misconduct complaints mounted. However, Adams says the units will be monitored. But my fellow New Yorkers, we are going to do a lot more than pray. We're going to turn our pain into purpose. We're going to unite and take action. Mayor Adams says his goal is to bring thousands of guns off the streets. Meanwhile, a vigil was held outside a Harlem police precinct last night. In honor of the two officers shot Friday night, rookie policeman Jason Rivera was killed. His partner, Wilbert Mora, is fighting for his life. Mourners held prayers outside the 32nd precinct. A New York state judge has ruled that the state's mask mandate can't be enforced. The mandate was reinstituted by Governor Hochul until February 1st over concerns about a winter surge of coronavirus cases. Hochul says her administration disagrees with the ruling and is pursuing every option to reverse it. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman signed an executive order challenging the state mask mandate after taking office this month. The governor does not have power unilaterally, and the health commissioner does not have power unilaterally to make rules that materially affect people's lives without respect to the collateral damage that's done, especially to our to our school children's. Nassau County Executive Blakeman called it a great victory. Meanwhile, the State Department of Education says it will still require masks for students in schools while the decision is being appealed. Former New York Assembly Speaker Sheldon Silver, who was convicted on corruption charges, has died in federal custody. He was 77. No word yet on the official cause of death. New York Mayor Adams' choice to have his first paycheck in Bitcoin is not looking great, at least for now. He likely lost about $1,000 as the cryptocurrency market fell. Adams says, though, he's a long-term investor. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashauer. Right, good morning, Nathan. Tough week for the Knicks. Three games and five nights against three of the top five teams in the East. First stop, much improved Cleveland. 50-50 to 50 at halftime. The veteran Kevin Love got hot in the third quarter. He made six three-pointers. The Knicks in the fourth did wipe out a 15-point deficit, but R.J. Barrett missed a three that would have put them ahead. The Cavs won 95-93. Love scored 20 points. Barrett had 24. Knicks are in Miami tomorrow and then go to Milwaukee. Rangers-Kings at the Garden. The game went to a shootout twice. A Ranger had to score to keep it going. Both Artemi Panarin and Alexis Lafreniere did that. And then it was time for the Rangers all-star defenseman, Adam Fox. Fox, deep, shoots, scores! Rangers win! Adam Fox goes up top. Puck was caught at the top of the netting. Rangers celebrate. Half the team goes to Fox. 
The other half goes to Sisterkin. EPN had the call. Rangers with Igor Sisterkin in goal one three two. They are nine and three since New Year's Eve. St. John's and Seton Hall made up a game postponed by COVID. So two games between them in three days. The Pirates won Saturday at the Garden. The Red Storm won at Walsh Gym, where Seton Hall hadn't played since 1989. Blowout for the Johnnies, 84-63. couple of lefties played a long five-setter at the Australian Open. Rafael Nadal won the first two sets. Dennis Shapovalov, the next two. Nadal pulled it out in five. Also onto the semifinals goes American Madison Keys. Ash Barty just beat American Jess Pagula, 6-2-6 love. John Stash, our Bloomberg Sports, Nathan. All right, John, thank you. Right now, S&P futures are down 28 points. Uh, Dow futures down 69. NASDAQ futures lower by 147 points. The 10-year down 530 seconds. The yield 1.78%. Matt Maley of Miller Tayback with us next on These Markets. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. A partial clearing later today with a high near 40. Tomorrow, sunny, low 20s. We'll be in the upper 20s, partly sunny by Thursday. Currently clouds and 37 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning as investors weigh concerns about tightening monetary policy and geopolitical tension. European equities rebounding from their worst drops since June 2020. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures down 23 points. Dow futures down 26. NASDAQ futures down 140. The DAX in Germany is up 1.1 percent. Ten-year Treasury down 430 seconds. Yield 1.78 percent. Yield on the two-year 1.01 percent. Comex crude oil is up 1.1% or 95 cents at $84.26 a barrel. Comex gold down two tenths percent or $3.40 at $18.40.80 an ounce. The euro 1.1289 against the dollar. British pound 1.3478. The yen 114.07. Bitcoin this morning at $36,600. Sources telling Bloomberg NVIDIA quietly preparing to abandon its purchase of ARM from SoftBank Group after making little to no progress in winning approval for the $40 billion chip deal. NVIDIA shares lower this morning, down 2.6% in early trading. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. The Pentagon says Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has ordered about 8,500 U.S. troops on heightened alert, preparing for possible deployment to Europe if needed to reassure NATO allies in the face of Russian aggression on the border of Ukraine. Russia says, though, it has no plans to invade Ukraine. North Korea appears to have fired two cruise missiles this morning toward waters off its east coast, according to a South Korean military official. The North has ramped up a barrage of tests this month that have rattled regional security. In the NBA, the Knicks lost. In the NHL, the Rangers won. The Bruins and Capitals lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. All right, Michael, thanks. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Let's get right to the market action this morning. Matt Maley joins us, Chief Market Strategist at Miller Tayback. Guess this is a fun market if you like roller coasters, Matt. Where do things go from here? 
Wow, yeah, it's really been unbelievable. I mean, yesterday you, you don't you don't see many moves like that on an interday basis, but you know we did see signs of at least some sort of a, maybe it's a, a mini capitulation, but uh, you know huge volume, uh, the breadth, uh, you know advances versus decliners were incredibly negative at midday yesterday, and uh, it, it kind of showed that the uh, things were getting a little bit washed out at least on a near term basis. Now I see the futures are, are, are trading lower this morning, but they're less than half of uh, of, of or half as bad as they were you know say an hour ago. Um, I think yesterday's kind of, of, of action probably tells us that, we'll, that, that, that yesterday's bounce will last a little while, and I think we'll be okay. Uh, but uh, the question is that uh, you know we, we have to look at the, this big change in, in, in uh, a policy from the, from the Federal Reserve, and of course some of the geopolitical issues. Um, you know, I think I still think that we've moved now from a situation where people need to uh, sell the bounces rather than, than buy the dips. Well, what are the signs you're looking at that show you uh, we could be seeing capitulation here? Well, again, it's this whole thing when when, when you have that, uh, that that big volume spike. Uh, you know, the, the thing is that, that when markets see that kind of capitulation phase, it's not just people. They think, oh, geez, somebody panicked or people start to panic. And that certainly can, plays a part in it. But it's also this whole thing with forced selling. In other words, you get margin calls and such. I mean, in, in each of the last three days, uh, the last three days of last week, uh, the market closed right on its lows. And, and that kind of tells we probably get some margin calls late in the day and people were forced to sell. I mean, remember, we had you know, this whole thing with the Fed uh, allowing or, or providing emergency level uh, liquidity long after the emergency level uh, of the, in the economy had passed. It gave people all sorts of confidence to add leverage to their portfolios. Now they're having to unwind some of that leverage. And, and when, when the market gets washed out like that, it's usually caused by those who are forced selling. And when they're done, uh, there's nobody left to sell. And that's why you get these big bounce backs like we saw yesterday. With this kind of volatility, Matt, do you expect that the Fed will be forced to respond in some way? Are you expecting that we'll uh, get some kind of signaling from the Fed that they're watching this kind of market action and could uh, move on policy based on what's happening in the market? Well, the one of the, one of the things they have, I think, signaled to us is that, uh, that the, the Fed put, as they used to say, is further out of the money than it used to be, or you'd say the safety net is now lower than it, was, than it used to be. And that's because, you know, we, we, don't, we no longer have, you know, the banking system is much more stronger. I mean, they couldn't pull – every time they pulled back on, on QE 10 years ago, the market fell back over because the system was still very fragile. Now it's much more firm. So I think, yes, that, that'll play a part, but I think history has shown – people forget back in 2018, they think, Oh, geez, the stock market that went down, so they completely shift their, shifted their policy. That's not the case. They lowered – I mean, the market was down more than it is right now, and they continued to raise uh, interest rates in December of 2018. It wasn't until we saw stresses in the credit markets, and right now we're not really seeing that. And uh, so I, my concern is that they'll let the market go a little bit lower, which will be fine for them because it, it gets some of the froth out of the marketplace. And that's why I think it's essential for investors to embrace this move. I mean, uh, corrections are normal. They're healthy. Uh, they're fearful. They're very scary at times. But if you're one who can embrace the, the, this move, you'll be the one who's be able to take advantage of it when the bottom comes rather than be the one who's panicking and selling right at the bottom. Okay. So in the context of embracing this move, how do you suggest investors look for opportunity in volatility like this? 
Well, I think we, we need to, to sell a little bit, you know, raise a little bit of cash on bounces. Uh, and it doesn't mean saying, well, geez, go to, you know, 25% cash or anything. But if you have a little bit, raise, you know, I mean, I've been saying raise some cash really since, uh, since Thanksgiving. Uh, so hopefully people have already done that. But if they haven't, just raise a little bit of there. That'll, that'll help you, number one. But number two, uh, look for the stocks that, uh, right now, when you do buy, buy the stocks that will pay you to wait, you know, good dividend paying stocks. And, more, and then also look at the groups that are going to do well in inflationary press, in inflationary uh, situation, or hard assets like uh, you know, energy stocks, um, you know, commodity-based companies, things like that. Those are the ones that are going to help you uh, uh, kind of weather the storm uh, and, then, and, you know, and give you the confidence uh, to, to buy when the, when the market's uh, at the bottom. Like I said, most people are selling at the bottom, and uh, you, want, you want to be able, be able to avoid that. And we're seeing yet more of that selling, at least in the futures markets this morning. Matt, as always, good to have you on with us. Thanks so much. Matt Maley is Chief Market Strategist at Miller Tayback. And as we look at markets right now, as we say, futures are moving lower. After the wild turnaround yesterday, we have S&P futures now down 24 points. Dow futures down 36. NASDAQ futures leading the declines down 148 points now. That's a drop of about 1%. Still seeing a bid on European stocks. The DAX is up 1.2% in Germany and the CAC in Paris up one and a half percent. Ten-year Treasury down four thirty seconds. The yield one point seven eight percent right now. The yield on the two-year is one point zero one. Just ahead, more on these wild market gyrations, plus the latest on the standoff over Ukraine. As we check your top stories of the morning on this Tuesday, this is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly cloudy early, but partial clearing later today with a high near 40. Sunny, breezy, cold tomorrow, low 20s. We'll be in the upper 20s by Thursday. Right now it's cloudy, 37 degrees in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 99.1 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We're seeing more pressure on U.S. stocks this morning after yesterday's wild turnaround on Wall Street. S&P futures are lower, down 27 points. And we get the details on these moves live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. Karen, the S&P 500 fell about 4% yesterday before ending slightly higher. Volatility is climbing. The VIX closed just shy of 30. That's compared to a lifetime average just shy of 20. According to calculations by Bespoke Investment Group, Monday was the sixth time since 1988 that the Nasdaq erased a 4%-plus intraday decline to close higher on the day. Strategists tracked by Bloomberg are still bullish with their year-end average forecast for the S&P 500 close to 5,000. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. And Bitcoin's in focus as well after yesterday's wild swings. It's trading lower again this morning, and we get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Yesterday, headlines were all about the crypto crash, but Bitcoin snapped a five-day slide then. And analysts from Bloomberg's Markets Live blog say don't read too much into today's modest decline. While Bitcoin appears to be trading in correlation with stocks, analysts note that turns in the digital that came before those in stocks, both on the way up and back down. 
back down and then back up, I should say. Right now, Bitcoin is trading around 36 or 37,000. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. Well, the slump in risk assets is being blamed on forecasts for Fed policy, and we get more clues on that this week. The Fed kicks off its two-day policy meeting this morning as Jay Powell and company wrestle with how to fight inflation without stalling labor market gains. Earnings are front and center as well, Karen. Microsoft reports results this afternoon on the heels of upbeat numbers from IBM. That company reported its best sales growth in 10 years, and IBM shares are up 3% in early trading. And taking a turn to geopolitics now, Nathan, it's all about Russia and Ukraine. The Biden administration has put as many as 8,500 troops on alert for deployment in Eastern Europe. Former Obama campaign foreign policy advisor David DeFury says Vladimir Putin is a threat. Until the last six months, people didn't really recognize the threat that Putin posed to Ukraine and to our other allies in Eastern Europe. And I think people in both parties are waking up to that now. And former Obama campaign foreign policy advisor David Tafuri spoke with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. It's 533 on Wall Street. Cloudy, 37 degrees in Central Park. We still got a tractor-trailer fire on Southbound New Jersey Turnpike at exit 13A. Details and traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. New York Mayor Eric Adams says the recent violence is reminiscent of the city's dark days in the 1970s and 80s. New Yorkers feel as if a sea of violence is engulfing our city. Adams has announced the city will step up efforts to seize illegal guns. Adams, in his blueprint to end gun violence, is bringing back plainclothes units where the violence has been the highest. The units were disbanded under the previous administration, but Adams is promising that they will be monitored. Gun violence is a public health crisis. There's no time to wait. We must act. Mayor Adams, as a vigil, was held in front of the 32nd Precinct last night for the two officers shot in Harlem last Friday. One officer, Jason Rivera, died. His partner, Wilbert Mora, is fighting for his life. The gunman, LaShawn McNeil, died of his injuries yesterday in a Harlem hospital. A New York State Supreme Court judge ruled Governor Kathy Hochul's indoor mask mandate is unconstitutional. The mandate was set to expire February 1st. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman signed an executive order challenging the mandate after taking office this month. It's a great victory for the people of the state of New York. It's a great victory for our school children. And it's a great victory for both the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state of New York. Nassau County Executive Blakeman, as the State Department of Education says, it will still require masks for students in schools while the decision is being appealed. Former New York Assembly Speaker Sheldon Silver, one of the most powerful figures in state government for two decades before his conviction on corruption charges, has died in federal custody. Silver had been serving his sentence at the Federal Medical Center in Massachusetts. The Manhattan Democrat, who told a judge he prayed he would not die in prison, was serving a more than six-year sentence. Sheldon Silver was 77. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael. Thanks. 
535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshower. Thanks, Nathan. Nice comeback by the Knicks in Cleveland. They trailed by 15 in the fourth quarter, rallied to tie the game, but the Cavs won 95-93. Damage done in the third when Kevin Love kept hitting three-pointers. He scored 20 points with six threes. R.J. Barrett led the Knicks with 24. Another win for the Rangers at the Garden. Another goal for Chris Kreider. It came with two seconds left in the first period. Kreider, nine goals in his last six games, leads the league with 30. The Kings led 2-1. to one. Rangers tied it with six minutes left, and they won 3-2 in a shootout that lasted six rounds. Adam Fox, the game winner. Nice rebound for St. John's. Two days after a home loss to Seton Hall, Red Storm beat the Pirates 84-63. Aaron Wheeler, 17 points, 10 rebounds due to COVID. The game was played on campus in South Orange, where Seton Hall hadn't played since 1989. Rafael Nadal into the semifinals of the Australian Open. He won a five-setter with the Canadian Denis Shapovalov. Ash Barty trying to be the first native Aussie to win the women's singles since 1977. She's been dominant. She took out American Jess Pagula. 6-2-6 love. Madison Keys won her quarterfinal match. The baseball players made a couple of concessions as the two sides met to try to end the lockout. New Mets manager Buck Showalter wondering when or if there will be spring training. I'm hoping for the best. Uh, I think the players are too, and uh, I'm not going to get into handicapping the, the lockout, but uh, you know we're trying to prepare for all scenarios, knowing, scenarios, knowing that it's probably completely to be completely such is impossible. But we're going to try. We'll find out tonight Tom who's going in the base. Okay, it is 5:37 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Now here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. New York City hotels were hit hard by the pandemic, but new properties continue to open. 53 hotels are supposed to add about 9,000 rooms to the market in 2022. According to Lodging Econometrics, Dow Jones reports the city's on track to have the nation's second highest growth rate. The Metropolitan Transportation Authority says the subway system is running again, ending cutbacks required when the Omicron surge caused major staffing shortages. The MTA says the W line, which connects Manhattan and Queens, and was the last still closed, began operating again Monday morning. New Jersey is the worst state to retire in, according to a new list. New Jersey and New York were the two least affordable U.S. states to live in, according to a survey released Monday by personal finance website WalletHub. The two states scored higher on quality of life and health care. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. Steve Potusk, and on 1010 Wins in New York, we're talking about IBM posting its best sales growth in 10 years on strong demand for cloud services. I'm Courtney Donahoe on WHAS in Louisville. Hyundai sees sales returning to pre-COVID levels this year. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WCCO in Minneapolis, we're watching for earnings from 3M. I'm Caroline Hepcom, Bloomberg DAV, Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on Boris Johnson hit by further lockdown party allegations this time for his birthday at a sensitive time for a government in disarray. I'm Ed Corey on WTAM in Cleveland. I'm reporting there's still no decision on the possible merger. Moss schools run by the University of Akron and Cleveland State University. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. Money market mutual funds have a key vulnerability. In times of trouble, investors have a major incentive to get out first. 
To reduce the risk of runs, U.S. regulators have proposed a new reform, swing pricing, a mechanism already widely used in Europe. Instead of allowing first movers to get out with no price impact, it would demand funds adjust share prices to reflect transaction costs and, during periods of heavy withdrawals, the effect of selling less liquid assets. This would make investors think twice about pulling out. And if they still did, it would make them bear losses they would otherwise impose on remaining shareholders. U.S. money market funds don't love the idea. But the European experience suggests swing pricing works. And if it led some investors to switch to bank deposits, that would merely reflect true risks being recognized. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPI and go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. You can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPI and go. S&P futures down 37 points. Dow futures are down 129. NASDAQ futures are lower by 206 points. The 10-year treasury is down 430 seconds. The yield... 1.78%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly cloudy for now, but partial clearing later today with a high near 40 degrees. Sunny, breezy, cold tomorrow. Only low 20s for highs. will be in the upper 20s by Thursday. Right now, clouds 37 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're watching NVIDIA today with the shares down 2.7% in early trading. Sources tell us NVIDIA is quietly preparing to abandon its purchase of ARM from SoftBank Group after making little to no progress in winning approval for the $40 billion chip deal. U.S. stock index futures are lower. S&P futures down 45 points this morning. Dow futures down 187. And NASDAQ futures down 223. That's down 1.5%. The DAX in Germany is up 7 tenths percent. The 10-year Treasury down 337. Seconds yield 1.78 percent. They yield on the two-year 1.01 percent. Nymex crude oil is up one percent, up 81 cents at 84 dollars 12 cents a barrel. Comex gold down two tenths percent, or three dollars 90 cents at 18.40.30 an ounce. The euro 1.1283 against the dollar. British pound 1.3463. The yen's at 114.08, and Bitcoin at 36,400 dollars. That's down about 1.2 percent. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. The U.S. is putting as many as 8,500 troops on heightened alert for deployment to bolster NATO forces in Eastern Europe if needed as Russian troops mass on Ukraine's border. Defense Department spokesman John Kirby says it's very clear that the Russians have no intention right now of de-escalating. Russia has denied it intends to invade. Witness testimony gets underway in earnest today at the federal civil rights trial of three former Minneapolis police officers accused of failing to intervene as fellow officer Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd. In the NBA, the Knicks lost. In the NHL, the Rangers won. The Bruins and Capitals lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan.
All right, Michael, thanks. It's almost uh, 549 on Wall Street now, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We want to take a few minutes now to focus on the pandemic amid signs of progress against the Omicron variant. Dr. Stuart Ray is with us now, Vice Chair of Medicine at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Doctor, in recent days, we've seen the seven-day average of deaths from COVID hit an 11-month uh, low uh, uh, on Friday. Uh, where are we in this Omicron wave? Well, I think it's uh, great to see uh, us cresting and coming down off the caseload nationally, but we have to realize that this is a very heterogeneous outbreak in the U.S., and uh, there are areas that are still on the rise, and deaths are still rising. So uh, we'll, we'll still have to ride this out, but it looks like we're headed for a better situation in the next month or so. What's getting us past the peak? We've seen uh, lots of people boosted, of course, but not uh, everyone is boosted against the Omicron variant. And I think it's probably safe to say that masking and social distancing in many parts of this country are pretty uneven as well. Yes. So I think that uh, this virus is finding the folks who are vulnerable and uh, it's likely to infect uh, many or most of those. We probably don't have a handle on exactly how many cases there are because a lot of people just aren't getting tested in ways that we could count them. So there's uh, probably a lot more cases than uh, we're counting, uh, which suggests that we really are at a point where the hospitalizations and deaths are far lower relative to cases than they have been in the past. The question is whether that's going to be true if we do see uh, another variant come along in the future. What's your expectation on whether we could see another variant in the future? I ask because there's been so much discussion in recent days about, you know, whether we're at a point where we can start thinking about putting COVID generally behind us after this Omicron wave. Well, I think we're looking at, uh, you know, approaching an endemic state where, uh, the gain of immunity that we have uh, balances the loss of immunity. But the problem is that that assumes a genetically stable virus uh, and the endemic state is not necessarily mild. You know, endemic uh, t- tuberculosis and malaria are scourges in places where those happen, and those are far less transmissible. This one is going to be hard to contain uh, if we have waves of new variants. So, uh, you know, we we have to think about keeping our masks close at hand and watching uh, local rates, uh, hope that the antivirals will become more available so that we can use them when people do get sick. And then we really may get to a point where this becomes something we can manage, uh, but it's going to still be hard, and we don't know exactly how severe uh, variants that arise next might be. They do not necessarily have to become milder. Also wanted to get your take on some of the latest research. We've heard from Pfizer and BioNTech saying that three doses of their vaccine neutralize the Omicron variant. Are we at a point now where we should start thinking about three doses as full vaccination as opposed to the current standard of two? I think that is where we'll probably end up. We we have so many people who've had uh, vaccination and infection in various orders, and we need to develop methods for uh, measuring immunity so that we would know who needs additional dosing at this point. But for future folks coming along, because uh, we're going to have generations of kids who have to grow up with this virus, we need a good schedule. And I think it's likely that multiple doses separated by months are going to be important. Whether we need an early and a later dose 
that second dose uh, boosted levels, but may not be absolutely necessary for future vaccination in a time of lower rates of infection. Only about 30 seconds left here, doctor, but the World Health Organization has drawn attention to a new version of the Omicron variant known as BA2. What do we know about it? Well, that's been uh, spreading quite a bit in the Philippines. India uh, was also present in Denmark, and now it's made its way to the U.K. It looks like it's a, you know down less than 5% of all cases there. Certainly worth watching. It has some genetic differences from the main Omicron variant, uh, but we don't yet know that it's going to cause us any more trouble. We just need to keep an eye on it. All right. As always, doctor, thank you for your insights. Dr. Stuart Ray is vice chair of medicine at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Karen. Nathan, it is 553 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Peloton International hired Michael Del Negro as its new vice president of product safety compliance. Del Negro worked for General Electric and its appliances unit for more than 11 years. A federal judge in Illinois sent several biometric privacy claims against Amazon.com back to state court. Two claims over alleged privacy violations involving Alexa devices will proceed in federal court. The California Senate passed a bill to provide new tax credits to small businesses that were forced to close during the pandemic. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story we're watching brings us to the Supreme Court. Justices have decided their last case of the term. It will determine how the court's landmark ruling on American Indian reservations and criminal jurisdiction applies to state prosecutions of non-Indians. The state of Oklahoma made an attempt to get the court to reverse the precedent of the ruling in McGirt versus Oklahoma that was just handed down in 2020. The justices refused to do that, instead deciding on a limited review. For more on the decision, June Gross so speaks to Bloomberg Law reporter Jordan Rubin. So the state of Oklahoma asked the Supreme Court to reverse a decision it just handed down in 2020 that set a precedent for American Indian reservations. That's right. And so it's a pretty bold request. We hadn't really seen anything quite like this. It's obviously not unprecedented for the court to overturn its precedent, but This request was unusual for how quickly it was being made and being made, obviously, because of a change in composition on the court. Were there more than 30 petitions to the court? There were, and they were all raising this same issue. And so the state was raising this question of attempting to try and overturn the decision in, as you said, over 30 petitions to the court, most of which were denied on Monday in terms of the question of whether to overturn the precedent. But the court did grant review on Friday of a related question that doesn't involve straight up overturning the decision. So explain what the court says it will review. So the court is going to review the question of how McGirt applies to non-Indians, the state's power over prosecuting non-Indians. McGirt involved an Indian defendant, but in the state's eyes, that left open the question of whether a state can prosecute non-Indians who commit crimes against Indians in Indian country, which is the legal term referred to for the reservation. And so 
it's essentially still a question about state power and state authority, which was what's happening against the backdrop of the broader McGirt issue, but now in a narrower way, not taking on this broader question of whether to straight up overturn the decision that the court just issued. MS Bloomberg Law Reporter Jordan Rubin speaking with Bloomberg's June Grosso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show at 10 p.m. Eastern Time or subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com. S&P futures down 46 points this morning. Dow futures down 190 and NASDAQ futures falling down 228. That's down 1.6 percent. Ten-year Treasury is down 4.30 seconds. The yield 1.78% and the yield on the two-year is at 1.01%. The euro 1.1283 against the dollar. And still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.